always gives me great counsel every time I find I'm out I'm going to speak. She says things like, don't say any stupid jokes. <laughs> Without humor. Lord, we lift up healing to Pastor Rachel. We thank you for that in advance, Father. and trust you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. Let it uh, soak into our hearts, soak into our ears, bear fruit in our life. Help me communicate it simply, effectively to my friends this morning. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, uh, download, boot up, etc., etc., your Bibles. The year is 1914. A Christmas truce has occurred during the bloody, vicious battlefields of World War I. England, Germany, France are all fighting one another. The fields are ripped apart with human carnage, but it's Christmas Eve. One man takes on that evening, it's dark, one man does the bold maneuver, raises a light into the air, and begins singing a song. And through the stillness of the evening sky, that song echoes across to the enemy. There is silence. The enemy starts singing it with them. And then the other group joins in Three nations at war with one another for one 24-hour period were at peace. That is the Christmas truce of 1914. But what was the song? What inspired the song to be written? Turn it in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 9. Title of my message this morning is Look Forward to Mice. We have mice in our home every once in a while. I woke up last week and down the hallway, I saw this flash of something dark running across the hallway. Now, I don't take care of mice in the house. My wife does that for me. I'm too important. I do the important stuff. She takes care of the mice. And my wife promised she would not say anything stupid either. Join in. So I'm on my own this morning. All because of mice. I look forward to mice in my life. Mary and Joseph are new parents. They're filled with wonder and excitement when you're a new parent. They're a part of not just what they thought would happen. They're a part of fulfillment of Bible prophecy. They are the tools in God's hands. Verse 6 of chapter 2 in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Wow. They're a part of something world-changing. But what changed them? What was the cause to lure them to be involved in this process that would begin to unfold in their life. It was because of what I call mice. 
those small irritants in their lives, those pains, hardships, not that mice are in the category of turmoil, but if, if they're in your home, they, they eke up to that category. But the year was 1818. A young priest by the name of Joseph Moore is getting ready for the Christmas service at St. Nicholas Parish Church in Odendorf, Austria. When he goes to the church, opens the doors, gets ready for the service this evening, he's faced with disaster. The organ that they were going to play has been destroyed. It's been eaten away and filled with nasty stuff that mice leave behind. Mice have destroyed the organ. No music for this evening. What shall we do? He does not give up. He pulls, goes into his pocket. He pulls out a poem. And he goes to his local friend, who is a songwriter. And they take the next couple hours, the schoolmaster rather, and they put together a melody for a guitar. And that melody is the melody that was sung in the Christmas truce. It was the only song that all of the nations knew. The only song that crossed national barriers. They wrote out the song for a simple guitar, all because mice destroyed the church organ. Silent night, oh holy night. All is calm, all is bright. You can fill in the words in your mind. We've heard it over and over. What turned out as a frustration, horrible occurrence, years later would become a blessing, would become an enrich not just the dozen, a hundred people gathering in that congregation, but would bless millions of people, all because of mice. Mary and Joseph had those struggles in their life. Their joy in verse 9 through 11 was that they were in a harsh and cruel environment. Verse 9 says, When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which had been seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Wow! It's more than your friends looking forward to the baby. It's more than the city, the state, the country. It is the world looking forward to the birth of this child. It is the actual heavens are orchestrating the planets and the stars and whatever, whatever they do, and they're shining down on this birth. And they're playing a small part. Hallelujah! What an exciting time that must have been. But in the midst of that exciting time, they're thrust into this cruel and harsh environment. The oasis of joy, of love in this environment has been clouded, been camouflaged over because of the area and where in the time period in which they live. Thank you for the music this morning. I meant to thank... Um, the worship team for the music. The guitar player is getting better. <clears throat> you want to, if when you have youngins, you want to encourage them always to, to aim for lofty heights. I tell all my three boys, practice real hard. 
Commit yourself real hard, and you'll be half as good as your father. So I always tell them, you want to encourage them. I learn from their lives. Their lives teach me at least two things because of the mice in their life. First of all, they submitted. Mary and Joseph never complained. Joseph was afraid, yes, but Joseph didn't complain. Joseph was confused, yes, but Joseph didn't complain. Joseph was still wondering and didn't know what to do, but he submitted. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, we call it the Magnificat. Mary says, she burst into praise, knowing that she's going to be a, a tool of the Almighty. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoice in God my Savior. He's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. All generations will call me blessed. Mary knows the culture of the time that she's living in. She's raised in an orthodox tradition. She could have been filled with fear. She could have been filled with fear that would just clutch her and keep her paralyzed with the unknown. But she doesn't. That fear would have been a legitimate fear. But she's not apprehensive. She's filled with joy and wonder of what the Creator wants to do in her life. This joy overrides the fear in her life. Her Savior becomes larger than her fears. Her Savior becomes larger than her limitations of her culture, of her time period, of her physical strength. Her Savior becomes the all-consuming force, power in her life. I think I need a message like that this morning. I think I need to be reminded that my Savior needs to become the all-consuming force in my life. I need to be reminded that when fear wants to clutch at me, that God is greater who lives in me, that when I have the traditional um, common words they call uh, these, these fears, um, yeah, I don't want my wife to, to shout it out. I don't want her to do that. That'll get me all confused. I need to remember that his grace and his love is greater than that fear. Hallelujah. She submitted to the position that she was placed in. She submitted to God who held her safe in a sea of trouble that swarmed around her. Odds were against her, at least four odds. Five odds, I, I count, actually. Financially poor, hard travel, poor transportation, unmarried with a child, she could legally be stoned to death. Four, very poor lodging for them. Five, no time to rest. We're running from someone who wants to kill us. All these things are against her. And she says, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. Mary submitted herself to this exciting time. Yes, but it gets harder. It gets harder for Mary and Joseph's actions because they're pushing against the devil's plan. They're pushing against his onslaught where he is working through the Roman army. He's working through the king. 
He's working through influential people, and it gets harder for them. And they push back with their simple faithfulness. You want to push back in your life? You don't need something big. You don't need something grand. You need to be faithful. You need to be faithful in the consistent small area where God has planted you. Whatever it may be. God has planted you in the schools and in the workplace. Just be consistent in your life. That is pushing back. Be consistent in your influence that is pushing back the devil's influence. They plant these seeds. They're acting on God's will for their life. They step into God's plan for their life. As they act upon his will, they're stepping in to his plan. There's my water down there. It's always a terrible moment when the preacher has to take a swig of water. Now what they want to do is they want to time it with their points. They want to make a joke. And when people are laughing, they, they keep the momentum flow going. But it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Pastor's been teaching on faith, hope, and love. And this morning we should be in ch channeling ourselves in the direction of love. We've been learning about hope. Hope spurring us on in our faith. Faith, the actual action that pushes us forward and it pushes us into love, that area of love. Love reveals itself by submitting. Love reveals itself not by understanding everything as Mary and Joseph surely did not. We must have read that scripture verse in verse 18 of Matthew 2. What a confusing, horrible verse to read. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. Wow, such pain. And they're thrust into that world. But yet with that, in that world, they submitted their submission was small in that limited sense, but they were a part of a great work. One, they submitted. Two, what I learned from their lives this morning is they shrunk. Now, I grew up watching good old horror movies, the good black and white ones, Incredible Shrinking Man. You know, that's not what we're talking about. That's unfortunate. I like that old, those old black and white movies. They played a role. They fulfilled a great calling. They presented the Christ child to the world. Their lives were for God's glory, not their own. John the Baptist puts it so well. He must increase, and I must decrease. John the Baptist realized I'm a tool. I'm a channel. I'm an instrument. He must grow larger. You know, they know their mission, Mary and Joseph. They know they're a part of a larger picture. They are to raise Jesus. They're to teach him. They're to train him. They're to be his earthly parents. And they're to step away. 
I think of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 22. In the midst, deep in that is an exciting verse. But when he heard, speaking of Joseph, of that Achilles was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. It's a simple statement of their movement, historical documented event that transpired in their life. But it teaches me a principle. Joseph shrunk. Joseph disappears from Scripture. What happened to Joseph? We don't know. And we leave it at that. We don't know. He becomes smaller. He fulfills his role. He spent some possibly 30 years with Jesus. And it's over. There was joy in it, no doubt. There was fulfillment. There was richness seeing of, of the family growing together. And he steps back. And he turns into the shadows. And Scripture washes him away. Joseph was afraid. So he acts, and he's gone now. That chapter of life has been turned. It's a new page. Joseph shrinks. John the Baptist shrinks, and Mary will be shrinking also. I see shrinking requirements in my life. I see requirements for me to do that. I'm here to fulfill a greater purpose, a tool for something larger. I'm here for something beyond what I can possibly comprehend. Something that's deeper. Secondly, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. The life of Mary and Joseph, their life was uncomfortable. Their life was strained at times. God's purpose was larger than our strength, though, they learned. Because Joseph had angels on his side to give him warnings 24 hours before the bad guys came. I like angels on my side. God's purposes were greater than our vision. God's vision for that family was far greater than they could comprehend. Thirdly, God's purpose was longer lasting than their dreams. No doubt their dreams were filled with day-to-day -day activities, legitimate things, food, clothing, housing, and shelter. These are important. But God uses those as a backdrop for something grander, something richer. Lastly, God's purposes will, will they stretch them beyond their strength. They were larger than their strength. God's purposes were greater than their vision. God's purposes were larger than their own dreams or longer lasting than their dreams. God's purposes stretch them beyond their strength. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3 through 5, we read that verse that we have all read before. 2, 3 through 5. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ child was to be born. 
So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judah, but thus it is written by the prophet. And I'll stop reading right there. What I find so fascinating in that verse is the verse prior to that. We have the actions of Joseph and Mary. We have the actions of the wise men. And now we jump forward a few verses in the story. We have the actions of King Herod. King Herod is given the same chance. He's given the same information that the wise men have. He's given it by educated people. He's given the same scripture. He's in an influential position to help the baby. We know the outcome of that story was the verse I read in verse 18, be refusing to be comforted because they were no more. The outcome was horrible. King Herod has the same options. The wise men had the same options. All the tables are equally balanced before them. But King Herod chooses to remain large. He chooses to remain in power and in influence. And because of that, his mind is warped. He is now a twisted, demented person filled with, consumed with his own self-importance. His problem is, he is his problem. It's his greatest problem is himself, his own flaws. He wanted to stay larger. The wise men wanted to shrink. Joseph and Mary wanted to shrink. And the king wanted to grow larger. And he riddles the life of other innocent people with pain and with hardship. Mary and Joseph have no position to maintain. They were willing to shrink back from their obligations and responsibilities. Joseph, or rather King Herod, wants to maintain his large position. He wants control. He wants dominance. And because of that, he brings about pain, suffering, and hardship in his own life and in the lives of others. When we become larger, it creates pain. When we're willing to step back and shrink from God's, in God's plan in our life, everybody is enriched. Everybody becomes enlarged and blessed because we're able to shrink back. Isn't it great when our church can do the Christmas outreach? Isn't it great when we do the simple act of love and giving them hot dogs and hot chocolate, of reaching out in a simple, gentle, loving manner? When we shrink, but Christ and the message of the church becomes larger. That's wonderful. Isn't it great that in this downtown there can be a thriving fellowship of believers? Hallelujah. When we're willing to shrink and many people come together and buy the thousand hot dogs, we shrink back, but our purpose becomes larger. Our purpose becomes richer and fuller. Perhaps... You're surrounded and you're being whirled around in a troubling situation. I want you to be of good cheer this morning. Joseph and Mary had troubles. 
Joseph and Mary's life at times were contaminated by mice. It seemed to be mice, but it was something so much larger. Their tools were contaminated. Their lives were in a shambles. They could be contaminated by all the things that they were suppo thought were supposed to be stable and upright and secure in their lives. And those very things, no home, poor, attacked by the king, on the run, those things become tool for a greater blessing for someone else. A mice-filled piano becomes a blessing to me 150 years later. was at an art show a year ago in art exhibit. The man was highlighting several popular pop songs that were written. And he was asking the question to the people coming in to view this art exhibition, these songs, how they affected people's lives. I'm sorry, but John Lennon singing... Um, uh, the one about let's all get together and change the world, whatever that one's called. Imagine. Imagine has no place, no comparison for a silent night. Imagine has no place for amazing grace. Imagine has no, no comparison to Hark the Herald, angels sing. Songs that are hundreds of years old yet still live on. That is something to rejoice Amen. over. The contamination in their lives actually brought about greater blessing. Mice are a tool to push us out. Those struggles, those contaminants are a channel for us to be thrust into a new environment. Mary and Joseph had those. They had King Herod. They had paying taxes. They had the traveling problems. They had no room in the inn. And the mice became a tool for something greater than they could possibly imagine. Mice in a church organ created that song. So I ask us a simple question this morning from this simple message through the lives of Mary and Joseph. If I could have the musicians come back, if they would, please. Uh, even the guitar player, if he wants to come back. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not as good as... <laughs> Do you have mice in your life? Do you have interruptions? Interruptions that would cause you to be confused about your schedule. You thought your schedule was on track. You were figuring things out for this year. And I want you to know this morning that I can lift my hands and say that all my plans that I was orchestrating and putting together for this year, well, maybe a couple of them came to pass. Maybe a few of them. I've had interruptions in my life. But I've realized that my, my plans do not come on the schedule that God has for me. He has an opportunity for growth for me. He has an opportunity that I may take that which the canker worm has eaten and use it for good.
I'm going to ask us a simple question this morning, this simple message. I'm going to challenge you with the worms in your life. I'm going to challenge you this morning through prayer as I invite you to pray. There's worms. God wants to take them and he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring wholeness. He wants to bring completeness to these interruptions in your life. Or these scriptures are filled with it. They speaks of the canker worms. The scriptures take, speak of taking the weak things of the world to confound the wise. King Herod was so confused. The wise men were not the magi. He was, had the wisdom and the power of the world, and that's what actually brought about his downfall. When you are weak, when you have mice in your life, that's the time through God's strength for you to be strong. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message this morning. Lord, I ask us that we would reprioritize our life for this last Sunday of this year, I believe it is. Lord, before you, as I ask our, my friends to come up for prayer, if I could have the, uh, the prayer team come up, and I invite us now. You don't need to wait for any formal issuing. Here it is. If you need to pray, I invite you to pray now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, for reprioritizing our schedule, that our schedule might be working with your interruptions, that we might avail ourselves to your interruptions, Father, your divine appointments that you have for us. Mary and Joseph saw those divine appointments. The Magi saw those divine appointments and they availed themselves to them. Lord, this morning, we're looking for divine appointments in the troubles, the, 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 the instruments that are not working properly. Take this opportunity, Father, and use it for something greater in your life. In Jesus' name. blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest name but wholly trust in Jesus name Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, 
God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. when I think that God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burdens gladly bearing he bless my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. shall see in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great you are then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, 
how great thou art. You brought to my attention, we have a specific prayer request for a missionary physically far away. Sister Anna will share with you the details. So um, we are supporting our missionary, Chris Exley. I don't know if I can say that, but he has cancer, and we have prayed for him before. He has cancer in his throat, and um, he got chemo, did the treatment and everything, and they just did another test, and the results aren't looking super great, so they are going to wait till after Christmas and do another biopsy to really get clear results, but yeah, <laughs> I was just hoping as a church if we could come together and just pray for healing for him. Yeah, so he's amazing. You're standing yeah. Whether you, whether you yeah. like it or not. <laughs> so let's pray for this brother. What's his name again? Chris And what uh, nation is he minister in? Um, in the Nairobi, Djibouti area. Okay. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. Heavenly Father, for your arm is not slack, your hand is not short concerning your promises. I'm thankful, Lord, that you still reign on the other side of the world. Where the sun sets for us, it rises, and you're still there, and your presence is just as wrong, strong. Thank you, Father, for your strength resting upon our brother Chris. Thank you for your healing resting upon our brother Chris. Thank you, Father, for a good report when he goes to the doctors, Father. Trust you for complete, total, absolute healing in Jesus' mighty name. Kihanamasha. 